Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Today is Palm Sunday, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding in a donkey, and it enters into the Passion Holy Week. There's a lot of names, a lot of traditions related with this sacred day, if you will. And so I don't want to gloss over and just, you know, push my agenda through. I, I want us to just take a pause and reflect on what Jesus did, because it's it's a very special moment that happens as we remember when Jesus came, the Resurrection Sunday, and everything in between. I want us to take that season to pause and really invite you to consider what is the Lord speaking to you and how is he ministering to you? And, and if, if the church calls us the Holy Week, what does that mean for you? Right. So I, I didn't want to just ram my agenda of, in my schedule, but like, just take a pause to reflect on this sacred season. And, and so we get to that text where Jesus entered, but I, if I can be really honest, I don't like preaching on subjects like this. Uh, one, because it's such a familiar text. It is so well known, where you, of course, anyone who's seen cartoon of Jesus riding on a donkey coming into town, most everybody. And even if, whether you're a Christian or not, it's like Christmas. It's a very, very familiar story. And because it's so familiar, um, it sort of sets a trap for the pastor to, like, to be more interesting because you guys know it, right? How can I make this fresh and interesting? And, and the trap is I would lean towards entertaining. And that's a trap as opposed to what? The scripture says. So I don't like that. And, and the other is, um, because it's so familiar, the familiarity breeds expectations. The familiarity says, I know this story. I know the lesson. I've heard it 18 other times in the past 18 years as I was a Christian. And so I know this story. And when we say we know it, we kind of shut out and stop listening. You guys understand? So, oh, I don't want to, but it's a sacred word. And it takes humility to come back to say, Lord, what is it that you, I know the plot, I know what you did, but what is it that you want to say? Um, because sometimes that expectations, when, when we have that familiarity, when we think we know, we miss the very thing that God wants to show. And, and throughout the scripture, there's so many examples in the Bible. There are people who knew the scripture, knew the Bible. They knew what the words of the Christ, the Messiah who was to come, and they failed to see the Christ before their eyes because that familiarity and the expectations of what they thought that they knew, they missed the very God that they said they knew. And so, I want to invite you guys to come to this familiar scripture, but with humble hearts. To say, Lord, it is you who's going to bring to light the freshness of your word and your revelation. And let that sit, take root, 
and for him to just blossom whatever it is that he wants to blossom. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. I'm going to read from verses 28 to 40. This is the text of what they call triumphal entry. I don't know if it was so triumphal, but it, um, Luke 19, 28 to 40. Today I'm going to read from the NIV version. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the word of God. So today is Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, four days before Passover, and Jesus rode in on a donkey, coming into the city. And the crowd gave him a parade, parade of parades with spectacle, praise, honor that is worthy for a king. There's so much to this story than just meets the eye. Jesus came in riding on a donkey, but have you guys ever considered why Jesus rode in on a donkey? I know that there are many speculations. Oh, Jesus is such a um, humble guy, so he had to ride in on a hon- donkey. But, I mean, consider, he's been walking everywhere, but all of a sudden he's ready to enter into a town, and he goes, now I need to rent a donkey, you know? Not just any donkey, but... One that has never been ridden on? Have you guys ever considered this? Like, why? Why couldn't he just have walked as he has walked everywhere else? And why a donkey? These are the questions I ask. And, but there are a lot of speculations to this, and, and of course the tradition of what people have mostly taught, which I've heard, because he's such a humble king. But just because you're humble, it doesn't mean you have to ride on a donkey. Right? There's no direct correlations between humility and a donkey. Um, but there are many things related with this text, and I, I don't want you to miss out on it. Je- Let's get to the plot here. Jesus had ordered the disciples ahead as they were ready to enter into the particular town uh, near Mount of Olives. Hey, go. You're going to see a colt. Bring it. If anybody asks you, you know, why are you untying the coat? Say the Lord needs it. And I 
this is another thing that I ask. Jesus, who knew no sin, tells his disciples to steal a colt. Not steal a colt, borrow a colt. But don't ask for permission. But if the owner asks, say the Lord needs it. As if that should be sufficient, right? Like that will ever fly in our today if a police were to ask you, uh, why are you taking my vehicle? Oh, the Lord needs it. Well, did you ask for permission? No, but the Lord needs it. Oh, did your Lord knew the owner and talk to him in advance and give him a call? No, but the Lord needs it. Like this would fly. But so Jesus got the disciples to do his dirty work. And, but for some reason, I can't understand, the owner of the cult felt it was sufficient. Um, but it, it cracks me up. Jesus, maybe he put his Jedi power. Yeah, that was good enough. Um, but Colt is brought, and, and immediately the disciples put their cloaks, I, I'm imagining their own clothes, the cloak that they had on over Jesus, the cloak on the ground. And as he rode in, people broke branches of the palm trees, and threw it on the ground, and, and, and they're shouting Hosanna and praises. I want you to imagine that scene where you have a parade in honor of this Jesus, and the expectation of the people is that here's a prophet. He performed miracles. Maybe some believe that he was the Christ that they have been waiting for. And they're shouting praises and praises. And then you got the religious people saying, shut up. You don't, stop it. Jesus, tell them to shut up. That's what's going on. So why? I, I want you to consider the expectations of the people, whether of the crowd, the disciples, looking at Jesus, what is going on. And maybe, and I'm thinking this, they're doing all the right things because they're giving honor and glory to Jesus because he is deserving. They're saying all the right things, but they missed something very crucial. They had certain expectations of who this Jesus was, but they were missing the very heart, including his own disciples, the very heart of who Jesus was and what he was doing on riding in on a donkey. And so it's their expectations of who Jesus was that they missed out. And if they could miss it, we could miss it. If the church, and I'm, I'm telling you, you can do all the right things. You can say all the right things. You can dress the part, come to church, do the, all the good serving things and still miss something if you come with any expectation that is less than who Jesus is. A couple of reasons why Jesus rode in on a donkey. I want you to tell you, I'll go straight to it. One, it was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9, okay? Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I want you to know that this prophecy was given to the prophet Zechariah around 528 B.C., well, not A.D., B.C., and the time of this uh, era 
was when the Israelites were in the, under the occupation of Babylonian king. Nebuchadnezzar, another Babylonian king, had destroyed the temple. The people were in exile. They were cast out. They didn't even have their own land. So if you imagine, if you're an Israelite, you're not in Israel. You are kicked out, exiled away from your own homeland, and you have no of your own estate or property that you have known. Your identity as related with your geographic location, where you come from, as a people of God, you, are, you don't even have a king. You understand? And so people during that time in exile under the Babylonian foreign occupation, and if you guys have any of been, like my mother tells me about when the Japanese occupation occupied Korea. Like you couldn't even speak your own language when there was a, a foreign power ruling over. And that's what I imagine. People were discouraged, like, oh my gosh, we don't even have our own property. We don't have our own house. We don't have our own ruler. We are oppressed by the foreign leaders. And when a time when people, the Israelites were hopeless, God gave Zechariah this text. He goes, behold, your king is coming, riding on a donkey. And Jesus rode in on a donkey. And it was to fulfill that prophecy, but to also reveal who he is, okay? But a couple of things that they missed out on. You see, um, the word Messiah in the Hebrew means the anointed one. And the anointing is by the oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. Well, three offices were anointed in the, the biblical times. Prophets, priests, and kings. Most people remember the anointing of David multiple times, and he was the anointed one. And so when they expect the Christ-like in the, from the family of David, they were expecting another kingly figure like David because I was so, sort of like the last of the anointed one, the last of the anointed. Yeah, they should make a movie about that, the last of the anointed one. Uh, so there was an expectation it's going to be another king, political figure like David. What they failed to recognize is that the Lord, the anointed one, could also allude to prophets, the priests, and and the king. The priest does the ceremonial of the related with the sacrifices. The prophet speaks the word of God. King ruled politically. Jesus was all three. But they had an expectation of a David figure, and they missed out on who Jesus was. Again, they are looking at Zechariah 9:9, thinking a kingly figure, but Jesus comes in as something else. And when we think about a donkey, again, many of the church, I have heard many, many sermons, and it bothers me whenever I heard it. <laughs> it's because, oh, Jesus was so humble. You guys ever th- heard that? Yeah. I'm sure. You guys ever thought that, though? Jesus rode in on a donkey because he's humble. I, I remember when I first became a pastor, and I had a Jeep Wrangler with lifted and, and bigger tires. Come on. It was after Tomb Raider. It was a silver. You guys know what I'm talking about? The silver TJ that had, like, big wheels. I wanted that, and I got it. It looked good. I look good, you know. I become a pastor, and you know what I get? Pastors shouldn't be riding on the car like that. You don't look like a pastor. Really? I didn't know there was a car for pastors. But they said, for a pastor, you need to be humble, and so you need to, like, like a POS. They wanted a junker car 
for a pastor to ride in on. I said, that doesn't make sense. As if there should be a vehicle for a humble leader. I can't ride in my Jeep? That makes Anyways, as if the donkey was made for Jesus because he's humble. But did you know in the ancient times, so I want you to consider this. In our Western American thinking, we say the king should be riding in on a horse, majestic and strong. Donkey because he's so humble. That's a very Western thinking. I want you to consider the first century thinking. I want you to consider the Israelite thinking, the Hebrew thinking, because that's the culture that he was raised in. Donkeys were the royalty animals. I want you to consider that. If you're rich, you rode in on a donkey. Uh, Many biblical examples in the Old Testament about those wealthy people riding in, they rode in on a donkey. But one particular example was um, uh, King David. He's ready to die. He's super old. And his son, Adonijah, I don't know if I'm saying that, Adonijah is like telling the whole town, I'm the next king. In fact, he has persuaded some of his priests to make sacrifices, and he is making it known. He's playing politics in the city that he's the next king. The problem was David had already promised the kingship to Solomon. He was almost as if trying to steal it. So what does David do to reinforce that Solomon is the true heir of the kingdom? He says, he sends the, the, the priest, he goes, have him ride in on my donkey, go into town. Have him ride in on my vehicle and then parade. Because when people see Solomon riding in on David's donkey, vehicle, they will know that's his ride. Yeah. So, yeah, 1 Kings 133. So kings rode in on a donkey in parades in a peaceful settings. Kings rode in on horses during a time of war. So when you're in wartime, you ride your battle tank, your horse, because you can run over uh, trying to destroy your enemies. But after the victory, you come back into town, you switch your vehicle from your tank to a limousine or convertible, if you will, (laughs) all right? And the donkeys were the smoother, right, open-top convertible. (laughs) And so when Jesus is riding into town in a parade that was made for him, he rode in on a donkey. You guys get a better picture about that? Okay. So we, people presume, based on what we think we know. But when we know something that's in part in smaller than the full picture or the fullness of who God is, then we miss out because of our expectations. I want you to know that in Luke 19.41 and following, Jesus wept. Whenever you do a Bible study, whenever you read your scripture, you always have to read the context. Just like real estate, the three key words, like location, location, location. In Bible study, it's context, context, context. 
Whatever you are studying, you cannot get the full picture of what you are studying unless you read what's before and what's after. What are the bookends? What is it happening in the context? The context of the triumphal entry in, in, in text is kind of interesting. The text before was, uh, here's the master of the house leaving, and he's going to come back and see what is his people do? How, did, how did you steward the resources that the master has entrusted? And then he makes a judgment, right? That was the before, that Jesus is coming back. That was the point. What are you going to be faithful with? He does a triumphal entry. He's his first coming. And then the, the other book in at the end, on the other side, Jesus wept. Jesus wept over the city that he just entered. Why? Because they missed out. They failed to see who he was. Jesus foresaw the destruction of that city, of the people that he came. He came to die for. He came to love. And they totally missed out. They did the right thing. They praised him. They honored him. They worshiped him. Yet, Jesus wept because he knew that they missed out. And he said in... um, I'm going to read verse 42 from the, the Passion Translation. And it says, Jesus saying, If only you could recognize that this day peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. Why couldn't they see it? Expectations. They had foreknowledge of who this Messiah was going to be, and he didn't meet the part. They had foreknowledge of what kind of king he would be, and they miss his part. What they want was a deliverance, savior from their political uh, situations, because the Roman, Romans, Roman occupation, Roman government still ruled over them, and, and the Israelites were like, oh, set me free, Lord, give us a king, so that we can be independent again, all that stuff. But Jesus is like, I want to give you far more than just political independence. I want to save you from your sin. I want to save you from your situation. And he came to give so much more, but the people were all they were looking for is, I want this political freedom, a geographic land so I could have a house again. So God came to give so much more. And he's like, because you miss it, this is all going to be going into ruins. Sometimes we miss it. We miss what God wants to release into your life. Because sometimes we have the filters. We have the expectations. We have our agendas of what we want from God as opposed to asking God, what is it that you want? What is your will? Jesus rode in on a donkey to reveal that he is a true king of kings. And he said, and I haven't heard too many pastors ever talking about that Jesus asked for a donkey that has never been ridden on. You guys ever wondered about that? Why a donkey that has never been ridden on or sat on? What difference does it make? Well, This is my personal interpretation, so take it for what you will. I feel like Jesus was like, I'm going to come in on a ride, be seated 
in my identity of a, again, donkeys are a vehicle of royalty, of a king. Because there's going to be never a king like this before who sat in the way that I've sat. I am the king of kings and lord of lords. No one has ever seen a ruler as I have sat on his rulership. I, I, I may be taking it to a, another level, but no one has ever talked about it. I'm like, I think something significant is there because Jesus specifically said a donkey that no one has ever sat on. He's going to be the first and the last of a king like this. He is the king of kings and lord of the And no one has ever seen a king because they were thinking a king like David. The best case scenario of that expectation was to bring the donkey of David or the, the lion of the heritage. And then some of you guys have breed of dogs that like you keep because of the genetics and all that. That's what they would be doing. Oh, here's a royalty donkey. Let's raise him up for the next future king. No. A donkey that has never been sat on, that is so unique, so special, it cannot be compared. That's what I think Jesus came on and specifically asked. And I want you to know that people said things, the right things, without even knowing what they were saying. Hosanna. You guys ever consider what Hosanna means? Anybody know what Hosanna means? I didn't. I had to look it up. You're saying it like you're not so confident. <laughs> okay. So let me read a few things. Uh, one, every gospel, the four gospels, Matthew, Luke, uh, John, and Mark, talks about this trying for entry. And they have the people saying pretty much the same thing. And I want to read to you. Uh, Luke 19, 38 saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mark 11, 9 through 10. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king, uh, coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21, 9. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay. The word Hosanna in the Hebrew... And where it's used comes from Psalms 118.25. It literally translates, help, I pray, or save me, I pray. And who that was said to was one only to Yahweh God. So one, it's the word Hosanna means, it's not necessarily praise, but it is a help me context of praise and worship. Two, the one and only God, the great I am, okay? Nowhere else that people didn't say Hosanna to a man. You guys understand so far? So when the disciples and the crowd said Hosanna in the highest to Jesus, the Pharisees, the religious teachers of that time, felt like it was blasphemous. Stop it. Shut up. Jesus, you better tell them to shut up because that's not appropriate because they knew the significance. You guys understand this? What does Jesus say? If they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. What is he saying? Jesus knew who he was as an identity of the King of kings and Lord of lords. He knew the recognition of the great I am that he is. He said, are you? He said, I am. About his identity as God himself. 
That's why the Jews wanted to stone him and kill him and then eventually led him to crucifixion. He proclaimed, I am. We get to this, people are crying out shouts, praises that is reserved for God himself. He doesn't stop them. I want you to get that. Three and a half years of ministry, Jesus is going around doing miracles. What happened? When they say, you are the Christ, God's Messiah, the anointed one, you are the prophesied one. Jesus, shh, don't tell anybody. Three years he's doing this. All of a sudden, Jesus comes riding on a donkey. People are shouting Hosanna and appropriate worship. And he goes, if they keep quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. means he is worthy of such title. He is now revealing who he is. He is now letting the public know his true identity. That's the setting. The crowd were saying without even knowing what they were saying. That was appropriate specifically for God himself. And he's like, that's right. Consider the other religions who are saying, oh, Jesus never proclaimed to be God. You guys heard that? Ever debated people like that? Jesus would not shut them out because he's like, I deserve this praise. If they keep quiet, even the rocks will praise me. My creations, my inordinate objects will worship me because I am the creator of the universe. For the first time, Jesus allows the people to praise his name that is reserved for the Yahweh God, the great I am. But why now? Why didn't Jesus allow people who said before, who want to follow, who want to be his disciples, who want to just proclaim that he was a Christ? In some ways, I look at it as a, the communication of Yoda. You know how Yoda communicated? Powerful is he. God, he is. He would put the action before the identity of the subject. Yoda has a way of communicating, but in a way, Jesus was acting out his identity, revealing his identity by his action to say, that's who he is. So yeah, there's some Jedi power there, but Holy Spirit power. Uh, people saw Jesus healing the sick resurrecting the dead, casting out spirit, evil spirits. And even God the Father revealed that he was his beloved son. All these encapsulated his identity. God, he is. Savior, he is. Lord God, he is. More than what he wrote in on, what he wrote in on revealed his identity. More than the titles that people proclaim revealed who he is. He did not, at this point, he did not hold back anything as he did in the prior years of his ministry. Oh, shh, quiet. No, he entered in voluntarily and to say, this is the time. Identity is revealed, and he is beyond your expectation. He is beyond what you thought he was. 
He goes beyond our expectations, beyond our church, beyond these four walls. He is beyond the church. He is the alpha and the omega, beginning and the end. And, and we study how big God is, but sometimes we, in our prayers, we make him so small. We make him as only big as, as our faith. And we limit our God, not as the omnipotent God, omnipresent God, or the almighty that he is. We limit him to our faith made in our image. I'm just saying, don't limit God by your expectations and your faith. Say, I don't know, Lord, but I come with humility. May I lay down my agenda, my expectations, my filters, say, you teach me, you reveal to me, and show me beyond what I am, because that's who you are. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.